Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. In this episode, I interview Dave Baima. Dave was an elementary educator for 10 years who loved connecting with students, making a difference, and helping others. And he turned those passions from one type of educating to another with his new role as an onboarding manager. Listen in as he talks about how he landed this new role outside of the classroom. Hey, Dave, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'd love to learn a little bit about what made you go into teaching and how long were you a teacher for? Yeah, great question. I knew in fourth grade I wanted to be a teacher. I worked in a very inclusive school with um, a very heavy special ed program. And I just really had deep friendships with some students that were or friends that were in that program. And I loved helping people. And so from there, and I had a male teacher in fourth grade that was very supportive and awesome. I was like, man, he's just a great role model. And so from fourth grade, I knew I wanted to help kids. And so, yeah, I was a teacher at a um, one school for 10 years. I taught elementary, fifth grade for six years and third grade for four. Did you have a favorite grade that you taught? I get that question a lot. I like both for different reasons, but they both have awesome things and they're both fun. I was a fifth grade teacher, so I don't know other grades, but I felt like they were old enough to like be self-sufficient, but also mm-hmm. not old enough to hurt my feelings yet. Like, I feel like a couple years older, they may have been able to hurt my feelings like authentically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fifth grade for sure is more independent. Third grade, I felt like they loved their teacher more, and which was a little bit different. I was like, not used to that. Especially being a, a guy in elementary, it's like, I'm not used to all these kids' hugs. And so... It was different, but it was still a lot really fun to see them grow through third grade because you really got to see the progress. I really enjoyed that. What changed for you? Like what made you think about leaving? Yeah, I thought I'd be an educator forever. And I think COVID was kind of the trigger through COVID. And then I kind of after we came back into the classroom, I just felt kind of overwhelmed. There was a lot more stuff being added to our plates and I felt like nothing was being taken off. And so the amount of stuff we had to do either had to extend my time to do it or it just felt like I was rushing and not doing my best. And it kind of affected my mental state where at home, my relationship with my wife and my family was kind of taking a, a hit. And so talking with family and my wife, it was feeling more like... For my own sanity, I needed to find something different for now. And yeah. Were they supportive of your decision? 
Oh, absolutely. My mother-in-law was an educator for her whole career. And my wife actually taught preschool for a while. And my sister's a teacher. And so we have teachers very close in the family. And they were very supportive and understanding of what I was feeling and very supportive of my decision for sure. That's one of the things that I hear so often from those who do have supportive family members is like that reinforced it. Like some people's significant others had to have like full on interventions like you are not okay here. Like, I'll do whatever I can do to help you. And so that's great that you had all these people who really understood what is going on inside of a classroom because they have the experience as well. When you started to look for other careers outside the classroom, was that challenging? Like, how did you feel? Yeah, I didn't know where to start. I actually got a temp job first. I felt like I need something less brain heavy. So I got a temp job at a warehouse just picking things and filling boxes. And that was really good for my brain. And that actually gave me a chance to listen to all of your podcasts while I worked. Because they were like, yeah, listen to music, listen to podcasts while you work, whatever. And so I actually listened to like all of your episodes in like three weeks. And it was great. Oh my goodness. You've heard yeah. too much of my voice. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I know, but it was really good because I grew up in a really small town. And so I didn't know... Because I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know what else was out there. And so being able to listen to those podcasts was really good to be like, I didn't know these other jobs existed or that teachers could do these jobs. And so through that, it really helped. And then I started by looking at like implementation specialists and onboarding and like education specialists and trying to get some of those kind of roles because I like my skills would translate very nicely into those. And then I started branching out into like, coding and doing some free courses and stuff but it was interesting but it didn't feel like me because i'm i describe myself as an extroverted introvert i recharge by myself but i do like talking with people and engaging in relationships and so having a position where i can be face to face or interact with people was i felt like something that i needed and was important to me there are so many engineers like software engineers that do work inside offices where they work with one another. Like when I worked at that big tech company, they had their own like level up at the top, all the software engineers. And then they had like board games and all that. Like, nice. I'm a huge board gamer, so I would love that. That was a place that like beer on tap, like catered meals and the tech, like the software engineers were there working with each other. So there are ways to still collaborate with people in those types of roles, but it also probably would have taken a bit more upskilling than a role like uh, in onboarding or implementation. So it is still like a possibility for a long-term path for you, but it sounds like you kind of really phoned in on like staying in like onboarding implementation and that's ultimately how you landed. So how did that happen? Yeah. So I applied to like 75-ish jobs. And partway through that, like at 30 to 40, I kept getting rejections after rejection. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I talked with a friend who's actually in corporate, a corporate trainer. And I was looking at those positions as well. And he helped me make my resume more corporate lingo, which is awesome. And give me that advice. But I still kept getting rejection after rejection. And it was tough. And so I actually signed up for the career clarity session with Emily, which was so helpful. And she kind of really took the questions that I filled out and really 
came with good information to help me maybe start on a different, slightly different path. And she actually suggested like sales or customer success. Because one of the things I really wanted to focus on was helping others, making a difference and building relationships. And those, both of those jobs work with those. And so she suggested a couple courses and things to look into to see if I was interested. And through that, I actually got into the Aspireship course. And so I took the Aspireship course. And at that time, they had a sales section, a customer success section, and another section that didn't apply to what I was looking for. I did the sales section first, thinking, okay, maybe this is what I'd be interested in. But I found out pretty quickly, I'm not really a salesperson. But I still finished the course, but not the assessment. So I could understand the lingo, understand what their role was, because customer success and sales kind of go together and they overlap. So I wanted to make sure I had all the information. And then I took the customer success section, which actually was right up my alley because I thought this is what I need to do. And it really was about helping customers or clients after the sales process and after the onboarding and walking alongside them, listening to them, solving kind of their problems, which is what teachers do, right? And so it just felt like this is what I'm going to do. So I finished the aspireship course, took the assessment, passed it, and then I went all gung-ho for customer success roles. And when I got to my current company, they actually interviewed me for customer success. But through our talking, they were talk they asked me, What have you been looking for kind of from after your education role? And I was like talking about onboarding and implementation specialist. And they saw how I got excited about like teaching others. And they actually had a job in their onboarding section as well. And so when they hired me, they actually hired me for the onboarding consultant or onboarding manager for the company. That's so cool. So just to kind of backtrack, if people are listening, Emily, the career clarity session that you mentioned is inside of the Teacher Career Coach course and Aspireship. We have a link you can find at teachercareercoach.com forward slash Aspireship. So those are the two resources that you mentioned if anyone's like, hold on, what are those things? If this is their first episode that they've ever listened to and they've never heard of either of those things before. When you landed your role, let's talk a little bit about the questions that they asked you during the interview process itself, because you did a lot of homework. And that's part of Teacher Career Coach course and Aspireship, like your upskilling. I'm sure they asked a couple of questions like why you're leaving teaching or how your skills uniquely translated. And because you've done homework about the background role, I'm just interested in how you really articulated your strength for this type of position. Yeah, I work with software. And so one of the big questions they asked was, how have I helped others with technology? Because <laughs> they want to know technology, right? No brainer for a teacher. Yeah. And it's like, as a teacher, I'm helping my kids all the time. But I as actually the go-to person like on our in the elementary floor for tech issues. If the smart board sound wasn't working, the computer, for whatever reason, the mouse setting on the computer flipped the button. So all of a sudden, the left button was the right and the right was the left. And so crazy things happen to people's computers. And the tech guy's actually on the other side of the building. It was a really long building. So instead of walking there, they just came 
came to me. And so they asked about how, what was my involvement with technology and how I helped others and how I explained it. Because just like in teaching, you have customers and businesses that everyone learns differently and you got to kind of scale it to who you're talking to. Such a smart answer. And it reminds me of something I haven't even thought about for forever. Like when I got my first role outside the classroom, it was one of their questions is like, how many times have I done trainings on technology? Because my role is like a professional development trainer, but it was for Microsoft. And I was able to say to the person who was interviewing me, I hadn't really thought about it that much. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of exposure to those types of interviews at that time. But I said really quickly, you know, like the grade level team came to me. I was their go-to person for tech support. Like I was technology savvy. I liked implementing technology. And I realized after the interview itself, the person who interviewed me was not a teacher, did not come from a teaching background. In my head, I had made that such a small thing. In their head, it made me like a manager, a leader. They don't know how big a grade level team is. They just... I think so many teachers' first instinct is like, if I'm not paid for it, if it's not an official title, I don't want to talk about it in an interview. It's like a lot of using that terminology of like, just, oh, I just did this or I just did that. But like, these are impressive things that we need to remember to write down and think about how we're going to bring them up in interviews to help, you know, showcase our skills and how much teachers really truly do. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of came out with my clarity session with Emily, too. She was like, you need to really focus on what did you do outside of your classroom with other adults? Did you lead professional development? Did you become like a lead in something or were you on like, were you on teams that made decisions and very important? Yeah, Emily's so good. I won't talk. I won't brag about her too much, but she probably is going to listen to this. She has all those questions ahead of time of just like, here's all the things that you can brainstorm. And then she'll talk about them in the sessions. They're amazing. So if you're in the teacher career coach course, you can sign up for a career clarity call and they're great. But moving to my next question, talking more about your role. One of the biggest things that people always are asking is like, when you get into these new positions, are you just stuck, like figuring it out all on your own, like a teacher, you know, a teacher's like, you're, it's just sink or swim. Surprise, here's a bunch of books. Here's anywhere between, you know, 30 and 700 kids. And you kind of figure it out on your own time. What was the like onboarding process like? And how did that feel coming from the classroom? Yeah, it was very, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, oh, I want, some training. I want to know what I'm doing. And through the interview process, they made it very clear that their team is there to support us and they won't throw me into anything I'm not ready for. And if it takes a little bit longer or shorter for me to go through the onboarding process, that's great. They want to make sure that I'm ready to do whatever the, I need to do. But when I went in, it was really cool. They had a whole page for me, like a wiki page of things that I I needed to accomplish for my onboarding stuff. And it was kind of do it at your own pace. But some of it also included meeting with like the C-level people, meeting with different departments and understanding how each department functions in the company. And it was really cool to get everyone's kind of point of view. They also had, since we're in the like LCM, learning content management system. So LCMS, there we go. So we're in that realm. And so they actually use their own product to create their onboarding 
And so they um, had all this self-paced like training for me to go with like kind of like homework to do, but it wasn't like at home. It was just to do it while you work, but projects to accomplish, to learn the content. I feel like so many teachers get like, it's hard to imagine what a normal job looks like. Like they get so surprised and like delighted about just the most normal things at other companies. Like for five days, I got to learn this thing. Yeah. Like they're so excited about the grace and like time they're given to actually learn and like onboard at a new company because teaching is not like that. You don't get five minutes. It's all on your own time. Yeah, it's coming out of a very structured world. My world now is there's it's still structured for like client meetings, but it's very flexible. And I'm having a it's one of the things I struggle with is like I don't have something for every minute of the day planned. What am I going to do? And I find things to do. I, I still do learning. And I really enjoy to have been sitting in on client calls while other people are onboarding to really get that live experience. And that has helped a ton. Did you find yourself nervous at all about the transition into a corporate environment? I'm curious about this perspective because I feel like a lot of guests really have this like misconception of how cold or like unwelcoming it can be or unfamiliar yeah i i was really nervous about what the new position would be what the people i would work with would be like because my old co-workers at the school were fantastic i we still get together for hangout time and it's like i really loved my co-workers and so i was really nervous of what that new environment would be like but from day one, they were so welcoming and supportive. I meet with my boss every other week, uh, just one-on-one -on -one to talk. I meet with her boss, and then she, she checks in on me. And it's just, they're very supportive, very welcoming. If I have any questions, everyone's there to help. And yeah. What would be a couple of like corporate terms or acronyms that you've learned in this role that might be helpful for a teacher who's in transition to learn before they go into an interview? Yeah. So the first one would be an SOW or a statement of work. Others might be some familiar with that, but coming out of teaching, I I don't didn't know what that was, but a statement of work is kind of like a, here's what we're going to do for you as the company to the customer. So like a, like a objective? Kind of, yeah. And then here's what the cost is for it. So it's like a contract, but it's like, they called a statement of work to be like, this is what we're going to provide. And here's what, this is what your pay should be for that. Okay. That's a great one. Number two. So you have the learning content management system, but now we have a component content management system, which I was not familiar with. A component content management system or a CCMS is an authoring style for content. So instead of like a whole content, you can edit all the way down to a component level. And you can use those components in however you would like in your authoring. And so a CCMS was brand new to my brain, but it's a really exciting new thing in the like authoring world that I use for my role. Awesome. And then what's your number three? An ROI, the return on investment. I didn't know what return on investment was until I took the Aspireship course, but just finding the value in... What we're doing, is it worth it to the company or to yourself for the content, I guess? Yeah, this is something I did not learn until I left the classroom too, is a return on investment and even like a return on time investment. 
And I know I talk about it inside the teacher career coach course too, of like that 2080 rule of there is so much busy work that you might be doing where like 20% of what you're actually doing is the most important work that's actually moving the needle forward. And so I have to think about it. Like is making a post on LinkedIn actually going to have any return on investment? And that's something that is, it's really valuable to start to really understand, track where, you know, you're making progress, where things are happening and scale back. Thanks so much for doing that activity. I haven't made anyone do that before. And you were a really good sport and you had a notebook. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So yeah, they're good to learn. When you started to actually get, you know, your hands dirty inside of this role, were there other parts of your personality that started to show through that made you realize that this was a good fit for you also beyond just like helping people and liking people thrive? Yeah, I like solving problems is something that I love to do, especially in teaching. You like you try to solve the problems. But in this role, it's a different kind of problem. You're trying to make this software that we provide as be as used as well as it can be for the customer and that they get their return on investment on it. And so you're solving the problems of how does this work for this client? Because every client's different and you're trying to make sure that everyone has what they need to be successful. And so I, my brain for trying to solve these puzzles have really started to like emerge more since being in this role. Do you find that you're like given a lot more space and like freedom to make larger decisions and like think outside of the box to solve these problems? Yeah, they have actually already come to me. And it's like, hey, if you're using your teacher brain, how would you think about this is like concept that we're struggling with or we're redoing this portion of our content right now? Let's talk with it, like using your lesson planning brain. How can we make this effective and use it for all of our onboarding um, managers to use um, some sort of like structure to onboard well. And so they've come to me already with my, for teaching brain. That makes me so happy to hear. It reminds me of a conversation that I had earlier with some teachers who were in transition and I had to talk to them because they were saying something around the lines of like, hiring managers are not going to give teachers a chance. Like hiring managers don't like teachers. And my response was like, there are some hiring managers that are not going to hire a career pivoter and it has nothing to do with like teachers in general. They wouldn't have hired someone for that role if they just came from a sales background or just came from even an instructional design background. Like there are some hiring managers that are just, this role is for someone with this many years of experience, period. And then there are hiring managers that are open to career changers, but there's still this big caveat of like, it is your duty to understand the role so that they have less concerns about a career pivot. And then those are the people who really stand out and are invaluable at the companies to them. Do you feel like you would have gotten this role if you just had like a kind of, you know, like a little bit of a tweaked resume, but it didn't have a lot of knowledge about like customer success or sales on it? No, I feel like if I didn't do my homework, I would have been passed over. 
the first question they asked me in an interview was, so what do you know about the company? And so doing the research on the company and what they provide and the skills they are looking for is super important to helping you get to the next step in that interview process. What were some of your strategies on finding companies for these types of roles? Like, were you going to jobs boards? Were you just like all over the place? Yeah, I looked at job boards like LinkedIn, Indeed, and then I found built-in and kind of went through there. But I also tried to connect with my um, LinkedIn people. I didn't have a big connection pool to pull from when I first started, but I realized I needed a bigger connection outreach. And so I started going through like every couple of days, just scrolling through my, the my network section on LinkedIn and requesting to connect with just people from that I know from the community, parents of kids that I taught. And even I had at least two parents reach out like, hey, what are you looking for? Because I don't have a spot right now for you, but if I have anything, I'll let you know. And I actually had one parent email me a job posting after I already had my current job. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't right now. And then another one actually just called to just kind of process and think because she had such great connections. And so just making that connection on LinkedIn, just sometimes it's who you know for that connection. 100%. Like the strategy that I always teach in the course is like, think of people from past jobs that are working in corporate environments, friends, your friends, significant others, all the different people that authentically know you and can vouch for you. I have never Four plus years of me doing this, I've never once said the parents of your students. It's never even crossed my mind. But if they know you're leaving and you have a good relationship with them, obviously they know your work ethic. Why not? As long as they know that you're leaving and you're not trying to keep it a secret from the entire school. I just never thought about it. Yeah, because throughout that year, you build relationships with the kids, but you also are building relationships with the parents. And some of those parents, I we got to know each other real well. And I was like, I know you're, next, you're a parent of an old student, but connect anyway. And all of a sudden, they just started coming in. It's like new connections. Those are the people who are going to help you get a next job. I think the mistake that so many people are making, which I cannot shout from the mountaintops more, is they are rapidly adding a bunch of other transitioning teachers that they don't know that are muddying up their feed, that are making it harder for them to figure out when you're looking for a second or a third connection at a company. If you don't actually know those people, it's way harder to identify what's valuable and find those connections. So if you guys are struggling with that and you're listening, there are episodes all about using LinkedIn efficiently. Please go back and listen to that. My last question before um, we wrap it up is, you clearly like this role. Like you have made it very clear that this is a really good fit for you. Is this the role that you feel like you want to be in for a long time? Or is there room for growth in this role? What does your career trajectory feel like right now in this new position? Yeah. So the onboarding team right now is on the smaller side. But I think as we continue to grow, I would love to take more of a leadership role. I think I could see myself here long-term. I, I love the software that we provide and the ability that it brings to make a difference in companies' lives to save them time and money. And just being able to make their life easier has brought me joy. And so being here, I think, and being an, an onboarding consultant or an onboarding manager, I think has been really 
just life giving to be able to make those connections and help teach because I love teaching, but just in a different way to a different group of people. Yeah, 100%. It's something that I think is so challenging for so many teachers is like worrying that nothing's going to be intrinsically motivating, but like you're going to find that in a lot of different spaces. Like you're still going to be a happy person and be able to help people or help companies. And you are a really good example of that. My very last question for you, Dave, I'm so excited that you sound like you found this really amazing position and a good fit and clarity through all of your work. And it was not an easy process. What did you learn about yourself during this process? I learned that it's okay to not always be okay. Going through this process is probably one of the hardest things I've had to do because when I started, I didn't really have a plan. And then I found your course, which has helped tremendously. There were times where I was searching for jobs and I couldn't find anything new. And it was like emotionally devastating to be like, there's nothing new out there or rejection letters after rejection letters. Like some of them hit home and it's like, man, I really wanted to at least get an interview for that job. But kind of having a support net, talking to people that are trusted relationships, they just helped me get through that like dark time to really find that that next step in the process and so just being able to to see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel it's hard now but when you find it it feels amazing and it's just i never thought i would be this excited to be in this position but here we are and it was it's awesome That is such a good answer. It makes me think of this quote that I just heard. It was about imposter syndrome, and I have it in my notes on my phone right now because it nailed it. It's like imposter syndrome is basically meaning that you're pushing yourself to grow. And like if you're struggling with that, like not being okay moment, realizing that you need to change your definition of success, like your definition of success should include the process of growth. Like knowing that something sucks and is hard means that you're doing something challenging. And usually those are the moments in our life where one year later, that's going to be the moment that you look back on and you're like, wow, I really grew in that moment. And it sounds like you pushed through a lot of rejection, which is common. And I'm so happy for you that you didn't give up, even when it probably felt very, very hard. And I'm just grateful for you for coming on this podcast and sharing your story with you, with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to just share my journey. Thanks so much, Dave. I want to give a huge thank you to Dave for sharing his story in this episode. Now, I know we talked a lot about his career clarity session, If you want to go back and listen to my interview with Emily from Team Teacher Career Coach, go back to episode 91 of this podcast where I interview Emily and she talks all about her story and how to get clear on your career path. If you are a Teacher Career Coach course member, you can also sign up for our one-on-one career clarity calls. You can find out more about the Teacher Career Coach course at teachercareercoach.com forward slash course.